1: It's not
0: you. It's me. Relationships end. Some breakups are mutual with both people seeing the relationship as over. Other times, one person is done and the other is not. And this leads to grief over the loss of the relationship. In this episode, we'll be talking about a few strategies that you can use to help move through the grieving process. They will not remove the pain of loss but are designed to help move forward and not get stuck in the grieving process. But
1: before we get started, Will, what's been griefing you? Docker. (laughs) Actually, I'm still dealing with an issue. Apparently, there's like an old kernel bug that is still a problem on my Synology NAS. And it's screwing up the way Docker deallocates ports because there's some kind of timing issue. Yeah. And it turns out if you want to spin up like Postgres inside a Docker container, it's really annoying to change everything. It's pointing at that Postgres server to change the port every time you have to do that. Yeah. So I'm dealing with that. However, I do have a Docker Compose uh, deploy that lets me uh, actually spin out all the containers I want, set up like I want them. Cool. Which is really, really nice. I got it in source control. I can actually, I'm, I'm working on the flow now to actually pull it from Git so I can. Do that, and that's mainly just playing. But I've I've got some ideas of some stuff I want to do uh, with that later. So it's it's been really cool. It's um, I'm enjoying the sysadmin stuff uh, on this more than I thought I would, which is really strange for me. Uh, in other news, uh, my Russian teacher I think a few weeks ago uh, told me she's not going to be continuing to teach Russian. You know, life moved on. She had to get another job because of COVID. And so this week, I actually tomorrow I've. I've got my first lesson with a Russian teacher over there instead of over here. So we'll see how that goes. You know, she was asking like, what's your level in Russian? You know? And, and I'm like, that's kind of hard to, So I like listed out all the stuff and I'm like, you know, here's what this program says. Here's what this thing says. (laughs) You know, I'm doing all this crap. I've, you know, beaten Skyrim twice in Russian. You know, I I don't know. Yeah. Handwriting's atrocious. It was like that before you started
0: learning Russian,
1: yeah. <laughs> but it's it's gotten worse. Like because I'll draw. It, well, I'll say my handwriting is worse. My reading is actually worse sometimes too because I'll start sounding stuff out, and if the font is screwed up enough in English, yeah. and looks enough like Cyrillic, it throws you. So that's yeah, that's what I'm dealing with now. But I'm going to double down on the Russian practice again. I've kind of taken like a month or so off. Uh, which has been nice, been able to play video games with my daughter and do a bunch of other stuff, really, that needed to get caught up on. But I can't sit still forever. Yeah, I feel like I can't sit still very well, just in general. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So, how about you? Well,
0: so, Amanda broke up with me this past weekend. Hence, the title of this episode actually came out of that we had been on a break. I hadn't obviously hadn't announced that, uh, we weren't telling very many people. I think like you knew about it and like three other people. And that was it that we'd been on a break for, for about a month. But, uh, then she decided to just completely break it off. And so I've been dealing with that this weekend. Been kind of rough, you know, had, uh, thankfully she's out of town, which again, I won't get into the full details there, but, uh, but so, I was at church Saturday morning. I think I was. I was on one of the computers that morning, and after practice, I went up and I was talking to a couple of my friends and telling them what went on. And you know, I was like, you know, right now I'm taking it just an hour at a time. I mean, at just holding myself together for an hour, and then I'll do another one, and then another one. You know, and eventually I'll reach a point where I can do it a day at a time, and then a week at a time, and then I'll get over it. You know. It just, it takes time and just focusing on one thing at a time. And, uh, one of my friends, she's the, my Enneagram type seven friend who is like the one who really got me into the Enneagram. She led the small group on it. She looks at me and she's like, it'll pass like a kidney stone, but it'll pass. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm telling you that was like one of the, the best things ever because all day long after that, when I started feeling like really down, I tried to stay busy because I had a lot going on. But uh, whenever I started to feel down, I would just think, I'm like, all right, I, I can make it through this. It's going to pass. It's going to pass like a kidney stone. It's going to hurt on the way out, but it's going to pass. And that just sort of cheered me up. It was sort of funny. So I, I thought that was that was good. Honestly, I haven't been really thinking about much other than the breakup. You know, Some of my friends took me out just so that I wouldn't be alone. And help keep my mind off of it. And really creating this episode helped. You know, it helped me to see where I'm doing things right and where I can improve. So, uh, yesterday I gathered up all of her stuff that was here. Well, most of it, I found some uh, like cups and stuff in the kitchen I'd forgotten about. Take those to her next weekend. But um, yeah, I gathered it all up. And since I was meeting some friends for dinner, I just, took it over, filled my car with her junk. Most of it was junk too. (laughs) So, but, uh, yeah, like I got over there and she's like, I don't want that. I'm like, don't just throw the box away because I didn't look at what I was putting in these boxes. So it may be a bunch of junk and, you know, a pair of shoes that you really like. So just, you know, don't throw it away immediately. But yeah, that's, uh, that's been my weekend. It's not uh, not as chipper and cheerful as my, my normal uh, stuff. That's one way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Saving money is hard, especially when you're going through major life changes while coping with a loss.
1: Lucas Casades is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado.
0: And just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast. His focus is on helping you not only establish a plan,
1: but taking action on that plan so that you can live your best life. Investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances with the help of Level Up. There's a compounding impact of making better financial decisions that will easily pay for itself over time. And the neat thing about
0: Lucas and Level Up is that he has a unique pricing model
1: that will work with you wherever you are in your financial journey. Lucas is also a fiduciary for his clients, which means that he's not here to sell you a product, but to help guide you to a better financial situation.
0: Yeah, and you guys can find some fun, free resources and learn a lot more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. Relationships are work, hard work at times. Loving another person is more than a feeling. It's a choice. You know, that that sense and feeling like most books and movies ascribe to love is just an emotional reaction. Real love comes from choosing to be with that one person over all the others. And Sometimes that choice is easy. Other times, it's difficult. But it's one that we make. Sometimes the person we've chosen to love no longer feels the same way and doesn't make the same choice to love us back. In those cases, when they decide to leave but we want them to stay, Emotional pain and trauma occur.
1: Most of your romantic relationships will end in some form of breakup. Um, That's just the way dating works. And by the way, if it doesn't end in breakup, you still ended in a loss at some point. Uh, Just another way. It can feel devastating when a relationship ends. It could take time and several relationships to find the right person. And very, very, very few lucky people find the right one in their first relationship. For the rest of us, we have to suffer through a few breakups before we find the right one. If we do it right, then we'll learn a little bit about ourselves and others from each relationship. And when you understand this, this can kind of make breakups easier to deal with. It's not going to take away the pain though, but it may put a little bit of perspective on it that will dull the pain. Now, whether
0: you're going through a breakup are the one who actually left or know someone or helping a friend through a rough breakup, there are strategies that will help to reduce the pain and promote healing. No one enjoys ending a relationship. However, there are things that you can do to ease the suffering of yourself and others as they go through the emotional turmoil of a breakup.
1: In this episode, we're going to talk about a few tips and tricks that can be used to help get through a breakup. These are all from the perspective of the person who was left. However, even when doing the leaving, a person will still grieve a loss, Um In fact, it seems like that's pretty common across the board. Yeah, Uh, It's it's not fun from either end. Uh, Many of these lessons have been learned the hard way through trial and error. Following them will not take away the pain or grief of a breakup, but will help you to move through it faster and with a better understanding of yourself.
0: Yeah. So guys, this is going to be a bit raw for me, but it is part of my coping grieving process. I was telling Will, like when I told him I wanted to do this episode, he was like, well, I told you I wasn't thrilled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah it's, yeah. it's like, I'm not thrilled, but okay, I'll survive. I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's going to be a rough episode to record, but it's going to be
1: a good one. You know, I'll straight up tell you that like, after you sent me that message, I went and checked the liquor cabinet first before I responded. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: know, yeah, I know it's, it's been a few decades since you've gone through a breakup.
1: So, uh, it's it's been a while and most of them it was me breaking up with a girl. Mm-hmm. Usually cause I saw something that was just like a, uh, complete deal breaker. And yeah. it's like, there's no point dragging this out.
0: Yeah. I have been on both sides of the, uh, the equation, I guess uh, when it comes to breakups, I've been the one I've, been, I've actually experienced all of it. I've been in mutual breakups where it was like, Hey, we just don't work out. And we both agreed to it. I've been the one doing the breaking and I've been the one broken. Yep. <laughs> right now, I am the one broken, so. <laughs> but yeah, we're, um, like I was saying, it's, it's pretty raw for me. It is very, very fresh. But as you guys have learned about me listening to the podcast over the years, I like to run towards the pain. And like, you know, I don't, I don't shy away from it. I want to get through it and work through it, not like, you know, hide from it or rush through it either. And yeah. so
1: yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, it's like cooking something, you know? You, you can't eat it raw. You don't want to burn the outside and have the inside be cold. You just gotta yeah, handle the process.
0: And so this this was really good for me. Like I said, there are several things that uh, I learned creating this episode, this outline that I was like Oh wow, I'm doing that right. Cool. There's a few things I'm like, oops. Ah, well, I can fix that now. (laughs) You know. So, first off, is let yourself grieve. It it is a loss, and you shouldn't fight your feelings. Instead, let them flow. And um, I have a quote from C.S. Lewis here. No one ever told me that grief felt so like fear. I'm not afraid. But the sensation is like being afraid. And
1: that is really true. Yeah, it does kind of have a very similar feel. Uh, Grieving when you lose someone is a natural response. And it's not worth it to fight this necessary step to recovery. A lot of people delay their healing because they don't allow themselves to actually grieve or to fully experience the grief process. They just shut down and go, okay, well, I'm going to go do something else for a while and ignore
0: it, essentially. Yeah. They they try to ignore it. They try to numb it. They rush into relationships right after and don't actually face the uh, the whole grieving process. The other thing is, don't be too ashamed to cry it out. Even us guys need the cathartic release of crying during a loss. Uh, you know, it may feel like if you start, you won't be able to stop. Well. If you're feeling that way, allow yourself time and space to cry it out because you will stop eventually, you know,
1: might be the next day, but you know, you will. Yeah. And, you know, if you're worried about how that looks, you know, just do it where nobody's looking (laughs) like, yeah, um, that, you know, it's amazing how often we get ourselves in trouble trying to be tough in a situation where maybe it's not warranted or where we're, we're trying to be tough and literally no one's looking. Yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't do much for you. Just like, you know, let it get out of your system.
0: And I will be honest with you guys. Like, I have no shame about this. I cried. I mean, I wailed for hours Friday night. You yeah. know, it it hurt. I I worked a lot of stuff out Friday night, too. And I, I've had some some moments this past month where I was like, you know, we were on the break that I, I had an opportunity to do some of that, too. But Yeah here by myself, just me and my dog. Nobody here to see me. I mean, I realize I just told like I don't know how many thousands of people that I cried, but you know what? I'm not ashamed of it. And I don't think I should be.
1: Even if you are ashamed of it, there's nothing you can do about it now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like there's just a certain point where you go, okay, well, you know, move along through the process. And that, you know, kind of brings us to the next thing. There grief is a process and there's stages to it. Um and it's important to understand these stages so you can kind of look at the way you're feeling and the way you're reacting to things to see where you are. Um, A lot of times it's going to put a light at the end of the tunnel for you. Yeah. We actually have
0: uh, an episode on the stages of grief. You can go look that up.
1: That was, yeah, we, I know we recorded it in April of 2017, uh, 2017
0: or 28. Was it, was it the, like the month that, Jason passed away, or was it the year later? Uh, I think it was later that month. Yeah, it might have been later that month. Yeah, I think it was. I think we like had like a week, or, or a, we had about three or four weeks, and then because it was like right at the beginning of the month that it happened, and I think we recorded that at the end. So yeah, all right, guys. So we're just going to quickly review the uh, the five different stages of grief and kind of put them into perspective of a breakup versus uh, other types of loss. So the first one is denial. And typically, this is your first response to to grief. Uh, and it kind of acts as a numbing agent to hold back the overwhelming emotions. Uh, and when I kind of went through this at the beginning of uh, the past month, when Amanda and I went on a break, like I'm sure Will can... Can attest to this. I was like, you know, it's all right. We're gonna do this break for a month and then we're gonna get back together and we're gonna be stronger than before. And I was. And I needed that at that time because like I needed the 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 time to process and to like give myself a little buffer from the event to when I when I really broke down.
1: Well, and I think the other thing too is you don't want to immediately jump to, you know, stage two or three if they're not warranted. You know, like that's part of it, too, is like you don't have the information at at that point.
0: Uh, And it's it's good to give yourself a little time between that, like from the initial time the event happens to the from when the breakup happens to getting into the other stages to like, I don't know, something about just putting some temporal space there helps the emotions be less overwhelming. And that denial allows that. And it, it like like we said, this is a a normal, proper part of the grieving process. It's not that you're doing something wrong by
1: by denial. This is part of the process. And the next part of the process is bargaining. And this usually happens when you can't deny what's happening any longer. So you look for ways to stop it from happening. One thing that's interesting about this is it's almost like every step is information gathering <laughs> towards you know really like integrating all this.
0: Yeah, and it is. That's that's yeah. what the process
1: is. But I never looked at it that way before this outline. Huh. See, so it's yeah, it's interesting.
0: This one was probably about the second week when we were on break but spending a little bit of time together and I'm like mapping it out in my head. All right, when we talk, I know she she needs this and that and like I I'm I'm like trying to like work out okay, what what are my Things that I absolutely can't do without. What can I? What are my bargaining chips? What can I do here to do that? And even when she was telling me that she was breaking up with me, I I knew it was coming, and so I put something out there, kind of bargaining, and yeah, you know, I couldn't deny it anymore, and so I, I put something out there, and like it was just a no, and so I was like, all right, you know, the next stage is anger. And this comes about when the bargaining doesn't work, so frustration turns into anger and resentment. I don't know. I I kind of got frustrated a bit, but I did my absolute best not to show it.
1: Conversations that you and I had, we we are very direct with each other. Yeah, and I didn't see a lot of anger and resentment. It was more like, uh, you know, it was more like a more healthy thing of accepting not accepting reality, but more like, hey, here's the actual problems and I can point to them, which yeah. is what anger and resentment often is. It's just a maladaptive pointing.
0: And it's it's normal and natural to get angry during the grieving process because that's it's like it's usually how you first recognize, like like you were saying, it's how you first recognize where the issues were. It's like you get angry at
1: them. Yeah. You know, the next phase is the depression phase and that's often the longest stage of grief. Um, it seems like there's no hope of ever feeling happy again and I think you had a fair bit of that Friday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just uh, so, going to throw that out there. <laughs> so this
0: was the third week of last month. of no, the past month. Yeah. So the first week, it's, it's really funny because like the first week was a lot of denial. The second week was a lot of bargaining that weekend was when i had the anger like i got i got frustrated because you know a, a couple of different things and i did my absolute best to not show it because i knew that wouldn't be useful yeah you know it's like when you're when you know it's going to cause a problem you just like all right i'll hold it in and then like i think i vented to you a little bit about some stuff but like you said it was more of a healthy kind of thing just getting it out yeah.
1: well and i could also tell kind of like what your thought process was. And I'm like, yeah, I, I can tell this ticks him off because I know him mm-hmm. well enough. I just don't know that a whole lot of other people would have been able to pick that out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be honest. I, I spoke to some of the other leaders at church because Amanda and I are on the same teams and I just told them, I was like, Hey, you know, I told him what happened and I asked them to like, call me out if I am mean to her because I might not realize it, and other people probably wouldn't notice it because apparently my mean is nicer than some people's nice. And so, yeah, I asked him to. I was like, "Hey, just pull me aside and let me know I'm being mean because I am not intending to do that. It's accidental, and I want to correct it."
1: Um, well, and you also know it's part. It, it's the upcoming part of the phase. Yeah, so it's it's like you might as well get things in place so that you don't just completely run off the rails on any of these. Right. Exactly.
0: Next is depression.
1: Now we just talked about depression. Yeah. But depression causes um, you to
0: forget things. <laughs> well, no. So, so I, I wanted to get, cause we, we were talking about anger there. We kind of went back and it, it interleaves though. Like that is, it does. That it is, does. Well, what, I, what I was wanting to get at is that third week, like was a lot of that depression, like that, th- it was just you know really sad really like not doing anything that was probably when i did the most crying on my own um, other than friday night was was during that third week and then the the last one is acceptance and this is a final stage and it comes when you accept that you will not be getting back together or staying together if you're like in a break and stuff and i was sort of kind of in and out of this phase towards that very last week where I was like, all right, well, life will go on if we don't end up back together. Right. And we ended up obviously not back together. So, now guys, there is a typical progression through the stages. That's sort of what we just talked about. That doesn't mean that you'll experience them in the same order. Uh, You will also go through them in cycles Well, you'll move through the same stage multiple times. You know, like I said, I went through all of them and then the actual breakup happened and I went back. Um I didn't go all the way back to denial uh cuz there wasn't really any denying it that it that it happened, though there are, are parts of me that's like ah oh, well she'll get over this we'll get back together. I'm like no, I have to I I stop myself from that cuz I'm like no, that is not a healthy yeah. line of thinking. But yeah, so just because you've accepted that the relationship is over doesn't mean that you won't have times where you're depressed or angry about
1: it. Trust me, I've been going through this all weekend long. So relationships do take two people, whether they work or they fail. Uh, there are There's always at least two people involved in a dysfunctional or functional relationship, hence it being a relationship. While you may have had a part in your relationship ending, you need to avoid ruminating or blaming yourself.
0: Breakups are a very personal matter, so it's not possible to not take it personally. There's a lot of negatives in that sentence, uh, <laughs> especially where strong emotions are concerned. Um, you're you're unable to not take it personally. You're basically you're going to take it personally. Uh, however, you don't want to linger on blaming yourself for too long after the breakup. You know, it's okay to admit, hey, I made some mistakes here too and take that on, you know, that is fine. That's acceptable and that that helps you grow as a person to go. You know, what? I made some mistakes. I know what they are and I can learn from them. But to ruminate on them and to be like I'm such a horrible person because I made these mistakes and to internalize them. That is unhealthy.
1: Yeah. And it's also unhealthy to ignore your part. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, in, in the same way, like just the middle path is kind of the, the way you go here. You know, you were part of the relationship. So yes, you do have some blame or some agency in the breakup, but you were not in it alone. So you're not the only one to blame. If you're not careful, you can get into an endless cycle of self blame. And you know, what's interesting here is, you know, you'll hear people go, well, I had, I had nothing to do with it. they, You know, they did whatever and and we split up. It's like, you know, there was some point back there where you had agency. And that may have been the point where you decided to date that person. But it is a powerless worldview to go, I I had nothing to do with it and it's not my fault. Like Because if it's not your fault, you can't fix anything. That's true. Now, a healthier way to
0: look at the breakup is to look at it in the that you both had different needs and wants that were conflicting with each other. Each of you was trying to get your needs met by the other person. Unfortunately, in this situation, you were not able to meet each other's needs. And that can be really, really difficult to get to a point of recognizing and accepting. I mean, you know, that's really an acceptance level stage there.
1: Yeah, I mean... You know, the thing is nobody starts a relationship with the intent of it failing, or at least most normal people don't. Um however, it it you know, the the needs thing is a big deal. And you know, if you're not getting your needs met or you're not meeting the other person's needs, the relationship will eventually fail. It's just a structural integrity thing. You know, sometimes it's a lack of communication that makes this happen. Um, sometimes it's just other, you know, the other person's personality or past events, or, you know, sometimes it's trauma in the middle of a relationship. Um, I've known several families like, you know, where, you know, husband and wife, for instance, that have lost kids and Mm -hmm. like the breakups, you know, their their marriages break up after that, or somebody goes to rehab and comes out and, you know, there's just, there's a shift in you know what people need, and there's also a shift in what people can actually provide for the other person or what they're gonna prioritize. Mm-hmm. And it happens. So the the next tip for surviving a breakup is
0: to get some distance from your ex to allow yourself time to heal. You know, while you're gonna want to be around your ex because you miss them, they're familiar, they're comfortable, and you just you wanna be around them don't allow yourself to spend time with them physically or virtually because doing so will prevent you from moving on and may even be considered kind of clingy behavior by your ex.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, if it ever were to work out, like they need to miss you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, at at best. Um, Yeah. One of the most effective ways to help yourself move forward is to follow the no contact rule. Uh, This states that you should have no contact with your ex For at least 60 days. Uh, Contact means more than in person. Uh, It can mean texting, calling, gaming, messaging, whatever. This seems a little bit extreme, but this will give you time and distance from the relationship to apply and use the other strategies.
0: Yeah, I do want to say say one thing here. There are a lot of, because when I was looking up coping with or surviving a breakup, and doing some research, I did find some things on getting back with your ex. And one of the big things was the no contact rule. And guys, I'm going to tell you, no, doing a no contact with your ex is not going to cause them to come running back to you. What it's going to do is it's going to help
1: you move forward. Yeah. And it's, it's more like the, uh, the lack of the no contact rule makes them want to run away. Yeah. It's not magnetism. It's repulsion to the same pole. (laughs) also don't expect your ex to be
0: posting on social media about how much they miss you or how sad they are Uh, you shouldn't be doing that either by the way people tend to only present the best most exciting parts of their lives on social media you know like when they go skydiving Uh, seeing your ex posting about going out with friends and having fun without you is going to be very painful if possible, unfriend um, or unfollow them as soon as possible. Uh, y- you may not be able to unfriend them, but like on Facebook, you can unfollow a person. Yeah. And you won't see their posts, but it's not, you don't look
1: petty for for unfriending them. Uh, if you share the same friend circle. Yeah. It's weird how that is understood as petty versus just, hey, rationally speaking, this person is just moving on. It's, it's unfortunate. Finally, it may not be completely possible to avoid contact with your ex while you're going through the grieving process and moving on with your life. Uh, you may work together. You may have kids together. You may have the same social circle. You know, There's lots of reasons you're probably you – know, there's, there's reasons you got together in the first place, and those are the same reasons that are going to make you run into each other. So if one of these is the case, there's a few different
0: things you can do. First off, reduce contact to the bare minimum. And when you do have to contact them, keep it professional in tone. It's like matter of fact, like, you know, don't get all familiar with them and friendly. Just be very polite and for professional.
1: You should also politely ask your friends not to invite you if they know your ex will be at an event.
0: Yeah. So um, this happened yesterday, was in a group text with Amanda, a friend of ours, mutual friend, was inviting us to go play trivia. Of course, I already had plans, and so I just sent the that friend who didn't know about the breakup yet a text and said, hey, we're, we're not together anymore. If you don't mind, I know you and her are pretty close. Just for a little while, just don't invite me to things. I still want to be friends. I just need some time away from her before I'm ready to socialize with her. And th- this is one of those things where I was telling you guys, I didn't... Know that was the right thing to do other than I've done the opposite in the past and it like really, really hurt me. So I'm like, all right, I'm just, I, I know what hurts and I'm not going to do it. And then I read this. I'm like, oh, Hey, that's the right thing to do. Yes. <laughs> that's like most <laughs>
1: best practices that comes from avoiding pain. Yeah. Uh,
0: now when you are like volunteering in the same place or working in the same place for like, for example, Amanda and I both are on some of the same teams at church. Actually, we're scheduled together Saturday for two services, one of which I am the production lead and she is the only camera tech. So we're gonna be interacting a lot. Ask your supervisor, you know, within reason to try and not schedule you at the same time as your ex. I will say this. Our team lead did ask me if I wanted to like be put on in another role and have someone else do the production lead for that service. I haven't responded to her. Well, I told her I would think about it and get back to her. Cause part of me kind of wants to just like, all right, we're going to have to do this at some point. Might as well get it over with. But part of me is also like, you know, it might be good to give a little bit of time there. Like, you know, from more than a week. So we'll see. I'll let you guys know next week how it goes.
1: <laughs> and you know, Kids complicate things too. If you're going through a breakup, I've watched a few friends do this. Um, the big thing there is to develop a routine so that you can reduce the amount of time that you're discussing logistics because that you know that also uh, helps the kids you know, yeah. when, when going through it. It does. So next,
0: the thing that shocks most people about breakups is the intense amount of loneliness. They just don't expect that. Uh, Make sure you have a solid support system for dealing with that loneliness.
1: A.k.a. a friend that goes out for chicken wings with you repeatedly.
0: Yeah, or or one who takes you to Outback after church on Sunday and then spends all afternoon at the park hiking with you.
1: Yeah, that's definitely pretty cool.
0: Being in a relationship involves spending a lot of time with the other person. Uh, Sometimes to the exclusion of friends and family as you're developing the relationship. Like that's, you kind of exclude those so that you can focus on your relationship, especially early on. And this can create large gaps in your life when that person leaves. I know when Amanda and I went on break, I realized I was going over to her place almost every night. Like not when we recorded, but I'd be going in, especially during the, normal small group semester. So I go to small group and then I go hang out with her for an hour and come home. And then when small groups ended, it was like, all right, I would finish up work, do a few things and then go hang out with her for a few hours. Almost every night.
1: Yeah. You don't realize where the time goes. I mean, I think this is a large part of why men over 30 have trouble forming friendships is they've got relationships a lot of times and yeah, you know, they don't have time. That's true. And then when the relationship ends, you're just kind of sitting there looking around going, well, now what? So as humans,
0: we're not designed to be alone. We are pack animals. You know, we've talked about finding your tribe a lot on here. And so the pool of loneliness is exceptionally strong and you're going to need to have people around you who can be there for you when you need to just be around people, even for the introverts. Um, but the friend i was talking about who took me to outback and then we went hiking he is more shy and introverted than you were when we first met in college yeah that's pretty bad <laughs> like he is a leader so he can like he can get over it and we've developed a friendship over the years to where he's comfortable talking to me but he got divorced a couple of years ago and he told me he's like the hardest part was that she was like the only person I really interacted with. And then when she was gone, I didn't have any friends, super socially awkward, super shy. I didn't want to go make friends. So he had his parents and his kids and that's it. And he was like, I just remember that. And he's like, if it affected me that bad as an introvert, I could not even imagine how bad it's going to affect you as an extrovert. So that's why he invited me out to lunch. Well, like I'm spending all day hanging out and like sharing stories. It was honestly one of the best things ever for, you know, it's like the, when you and I hung out, same kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And I think with all the COVID stuff too, with all the lockdown, oh yeah, you know, like people were already kind of deprived and there's been a crap ton of like divorces and breakups and everything else as things have opened back up. You know, and a lot of times people are left extremely lonely because the other party left. You know, because things are opening up and they've got options now. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely in the air uh, and very, very uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, you're also going to want your ex back even after you've moved through the grief and you're getting your life back on track. In fact, that's probably the most dangerous time for you. Uh, you'll start to wonder how they are or what they're doing. And this is a dangerous line of thinking because it can lead you back into the grief cycle.
0: Yeah. I and mean, this is, I kind of went through this a little bit with my ex-wife. I mean, you remember uh-huh. I was starting to get healthy and starting to do better. And then I started wondering, like, you know, what's going on with her and stuff like that. And even though we weren't in any sort of contact, uh, just the thoughts of that led me to sadness and the like going back through it again. Now, during this whole time, you're going to really need to lean on your friends and family, especially early on to help you get through the loneliest parts. As you build new routines in your life without the other person, that loneliness will start to fade and eventually you'll be comfortable with yourself. You'll have your routines where you're spending time with other
1: people and it won't be as bad. Yeah. And speaking of routines, uh, breakups do cause a lot of chaos in your life. Like, There's a lot of implicit assumptions that you have that no longer are valid uh, after a breakup. And so one of the first things you need to do is start building a new routine for yourself that does not include the other person. And you can start
0: that by not ending your established routines. Like keep up your established routines because they give you some stability and a sense of normalcy. As like many other areas of your life are turned upside down, the the few things that you did without them on a regular basis, you keep doing it. Like I had gotten into the habit of going to the gym uh, at lunchtime. Like I. I say I would go to the gym at lunchtime, and I would go maybe three days a week, and then I do other stuff um, on my lunch break the other days. But like, I kind of had that habit, and then when this happened, I was like, you know, I just I, I ramped it up. I'm like, no, this is my thing. I go to the gym every day at lunchtime, and that that has really helped.
1: Well, and that you know that routine, you know, that may involve other things other than stuff just like the gym. Like it may be stuff like your sleep wake cycle. You know, when you get to bed. Uh, you know, when you get up for work, you know, how you do things in the morning. New routines may be how you prepare and eat your meals or what you do in the evenings because that tends to involve other people. Some people need to stay busy
0: when going through a breakup because it helps them to process without ruminating on the pain or the issues they had with their ex. Like, you know, some of us, I'm one of these people, I need I need to stay busy because if I'm working on something, it my mind is still processing. But if I'm not doing something, I'm completely living in my head and just, ugh. There are other people, however, at least I'm told this, who may find themselves overwhelmed and not able to to do much, like even their normal stuff. So they may need to drop a few of kind of their extraneous responsibilities in order to focus on what's important. And the thing is, like I know this about myself that being active helps me process you're going to have to figure out that on your own. Like what is going to work for you? Cause it's a very individual thing.
1: Yeah. Cause like not being active, (laughs) is kind of the way I would go. Like it would be so much worse for me. Um, if I was busy getting back into your routines or even creating new ones will not only provide a sense of normalcy, but it kind of gives you a sense of control over your own life again, which you know, you kind of have to have to, to keep moving.
0: So next, address your emotions and feelings around the breakup by talking about it. And you don't have to do it in a public forum. You don't have to create a podcast episode on surviving a breakup to talk about your feelings. You don't? Well, you don't. It helps me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Find a friend or family member you can trust who will be a supportive listener. That's the key thing here is a supportive listener, You don't want someone to give you advice in this phase. You're looking for someone who will listen and maybe even normalize your feelings by sharing their own stories of breakups. When I was hanging out with, with my friend from church Sunday, he was telling me about the stuff that he went through with, with his divorce. And like at one point he's like, Oh my goodness, man, I'm sorry. I am like, Talking way too much about about myself. I'm like, no, it's it's really helping me. Another friend of mine, she was the one who said the thing about kidney stones. I I spoke to her Sunday morning. I was like, hey, I just wanted to thank you for that because that helped me get through the day yesterday. And she was like, well, and she told me she and her boyfriend had broken up in uh, December. She's like, I wanted to say something about that because it's like kind of similar with the whole taking a break and then breaking up thing. But she's like, but I didn't want it to be all about me. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't ever feel that way because I tell stories too. So that to me, that would be like, oh, you understand. Yeah. Because that's that that's a seven thing. That's how they relate. But also, you know, I get that.
1: Talking it out will not only allow for another person to help you comprehend your emotions, but it will help you to get a little bit more understanding around all this. Uh, this is similar to the rubber duck effect in coding, but you're doing it for your emotions. And you know, by talking stuff out, you'll see things that you didn't notice when you're in the midst of feeling them. Because like the way you verbalize things kind of puts an interesting spin on it that may give you insight that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise.
0: If you don't have anyone in your life who can be there for you to listen, uh, there are several support groups for those who are recently single. I did find, I did read that most of them are for women, but they do have some for men as well. If needed, you may even seek counseling to help you through the roughest times. And if all else fails, there are emotional support apps out there and even some AI bots that you can chat with who are really actually designed. Like when I was looking this stuff up, there are AI bots designed to help you grieve.
1: That's, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't know exactly what to think about that one, but uh, I guess you know, it's, it's got to be there. Now, there are times when it's not appropriate to talk about your feelings. Uh, this would be work, school, other public places where you might become emotional. Also, you don't want to share your grief with everyone. Um, instead, you should pick a few people to confide in. So the next is to create
0: a journal to track your progress through the grieving process. And sort of the breakup as a whole. People aren't always available when you need to express your feelings, when you need someone to talk to, even if you're paying them. Like even if you have a counselor, they're not going to be available 24-7. You know, if you you know wake up at 2 a.m., you may not have someone you can call. Some of your thoughts and feelings may be too private even to share with you know your closest friends. And you you just don't want to express them to another person.
1: Yeah, so. Writing things down, uh, especially feelings, can be very freeing. This gives you the ability to address them, put them on paper, and then move on. Uh, You may even find yourself expressing emotions that you didn't know you had or that you would never express in front of other people. Yeah. Um, This keeps it completely yeah, anonymous.
0: Well, I would say just like with talking to someone helps you recognize your emotions, writing them down, journaling them will you may even recognize some that you would never have
1: mentioned to another human. Well, you know, we have an episode on journaling. Yeah, we do. That's one of the things that really comes out of it. You know, actually I had to, uh, I had to go back into my journal today and I I saw some things where I had a very different perspective on it. You know, it's like eight or nine months later. Yeah. I was trying to find something. It's like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, so if you do keep it around, it'll, it'll also, uh, yeah, it'll also be it, useful for you, but
0: it, it definitely helps to go back and look at where you were and look at like you may feel like it's overwhelming right now, but you go look at your journal and you're like, wow, look at all the uh, all that stuff I've already overcome. This is nothing compared to that. Um, and guys, if you haven't read it, check out A Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis. Uh, it's basically a collection of journal entries from the time after his wife passed away. And it's really interesting. That's where the quote. Um, earlier in the episode came from it's from that book
1: a specific strategy that you can apply when journaling is to create a list of all the negative qualities of your ex and i know this kind of sounds a little counterintuitive but we're going to dig into this why this is useful you're not doing this to show to anybody else um, it's a way for you to start removing the filters you've put up while in the relationship that paint a better picture of them than is actually there uh, it's kind of like long-term beer goggles, yeah. And and you need to actually see things for for what they are.
0: Yeah, it's really easy to focus on only the positive aspects of your ex, especially if you didn't want the breakup. So focusing only on the things about them that you miss is just going to exacerbate your pain and your grief.
1: Yeah, this also will provide you an outlet uh, when you're in the anger stage of your grief, so that expressing. That anger doesn't have major negative consequences. Like everybody thinking you're a jerk or
0: worse. Now, once you've created the list, spend some time looking at it and thinking back on your relationship. You will start to see some of the incompatibilities that you were blinded to when you were with the person. Some of the things that you had overlooked
1: that now you're like,
0: oh, wow. Yeah, that never was going to work out.
1: Yeah, and I should have seen that and I will see that now. Yeah, exactly. Going forward. Um, that, that's the the real value. You also need to make sure and you take time to care for yourself during the breakup and the subsequent grieving process. Breakup based depression is a real thing, and it can lead to a lot of unhealthy behaviors, many of which are a lack of normal and or healthy behavior. Uh, this can lead to health problems. So make sure you're eating, even if you don't feel
0: like it. You know, make sure that you you are at least taking in the minimum calories that you need to. And sleep deprivation is another really big thing that happens after breakup. And that can lead to some interesting days and nights, getting your sleep cycle out of whack, uh, can affect your job and all sorts of things. So make sure you're, you're really taking care of yourself. You may want to, you know, again, this goes back to those routines, maintain or create routines around it so that you can, you can keep that. So if, Eating is not something that you would do naturally if like you're just like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm not hungry. So you go about your day. Have a routine for eating.
1: Yeah. And, you know, one thing I didn't see on the list, too, is, you know, watch the substance use of various sorts. We'll talk Um, about that um, in a little bit. Yeah. Another thing you need to be doing is do something special for yourself. Indulge a little bit. Now, this can be something like going to a nice restaurant, getting a massage or even going on a short trip or a vacation for a weekend. Remember if you're uh split up, you know theoretically you've got more money except if you're you know if it's an actual like divorce, you don't but otherwise you yeah, know you could do something a little nicer for yourself than you could for two people, so yeah, take advantage you know, of that
0: like doing something you've always wanted to do jumping out of an airplane, not saying that's why I did it, but that's why I did it. I was literally doing something nice for myself during the during that grieving that you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I think that was the the worst, was the anxiety of I didn't know what was going to happen. So I wanted to do something else that scared me so I wouldn't feel the anxiety. I would feel fear about that. It was kind of cool. But it worked, too. It did. Um, all right, guys. You aren't going to be at your best while going through the breakup. It may be good for you to lighten your load a bit and take it easy. This is unless focusing on work helps you to process like with me, if that's the case, then find some simple tasks so that you aren't expecting too much of yourself. For example, this episode took a bit longer um, than it should have to write because I kept like just mentally getting distracted, but focusing on this episode really helped
1: me to, to process a lot of stuff. Well, and it, it isn't that strenuous for you, right? Cause you've yeah. written over 150 of them. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's doable and you can feel like you're getting something done. Nothing fights grief and depression better than physical activity. Uh, now is the time to start exercising. If you haven't already, um, if anything, it will help you to get into better shape for doing activities when you're ready to get back out into the dating game.
0: Yeah. Cause physical activities like, you know, going hiking and stuff like that are a lot of fun. Oh, Next, you are not getting back together. This is something I have to remind myself fairly frequently. I'm kind of in that stage right now. Letting that thought go will move you forward in your healing more than anything else. You know, it's very, very, very easy to hold on to the hope that you will get back together with your ex. And if you're not the one going through the breakup, but your friend is, you may want to say, "Well, you know, look at this couple or that couple. they they broke up and they got back together. It's possible, no, you don't want to give them that hope. They like if, even if they are going to eventually get back together with them, they still in this moment need to get over them.
1: yeah, for that to ever happen. And, and that's been something I've had to be really careful about because it's like, hey, I don't want you to feel a like complete loss of hope. Yeah, but the other side of it is is like if there is a complete loss of hope it's better to know that there's no hope. And that seems like the more likely course. So, you know, you kind of have to be careful about it.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, holding on to this hope prevents you from closing out that time in your life. Uh, And the lack of closure will prevent you from moving on and and moving your life forward without them because that's going to happen.
1: Well, I mean, when my grandfather and grandmother broke up, it was a good 25 years before my grandmother moved on with her life. Um, Just holding on to the resentment and everything else and not doing anything, you know, just kind of like sitting in her apartment and reading her Bible and being mad. And, you know, she finally got out of it and started like taking art classes and doing that kind of stuff. But I mean, it was years and like, that's 25 years of your life. That's just gone. Yeah. Like that's a, you know, that's a prison sentence for murder length. Uh, You know, it's nothing to joke around with at all. Now, there is going to be a temptation to call, text, or message your ex. um, And it's going to be basically overwhelming at times. Um, You have to resist the urge to reach out for a little more connection. Uh, Just, you got to let it go.
0: Yeah. Now, now it will only hurt your self-esteem if you reach out to your ex and then they don't want to talk to you. Or if, yeah, they do actually talk to you. They're not the same. They're not caring. They're they're more standoffish. And they're not as friendly as when they were in the relationship. Honestly, guys, I, just from my experience in the past, one of the hardest things in a breakup is to interact with an ex who has moved on and doesn't have that same caring, loving manner that they did when you were together.
1: Yeah, or they have it in spades in a way that they didn't have when you were together and you feel like you're hurting them. Yeah. That sucks too. That's true. Especially if you were the one that initiated it for a very good reason. So
0: guys, relationships require effort to work. When they end, it can feel like you've wasted time and energy. This feeling is healthy when brief right after the breakup. But don't let it linger too long. Uh, these tips and strategies are not only for the person who's been dumped or left. They can also help the person who realizes that they needed to end the relationship or you can use them if you have a friend going through this and you want to help them. If a breakup is fresh, you may have to just focus on taking it one hour at a time. Just get through this hour and then I'll focus on getting through the next one. Like this is the thing I'm doing for me. Saturday was the hardest cuz like we spent a lot of time together at church and I had two services. So I got to church at, you know, 7:30 Saturday morning and it was all right. I'm gonna make it through practice to 8:30. You know, 8:30 came around. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna gonna make it through the speaking part to the individual prayer at 9:30. I made it there. It's like, all right, I'm gonna make it from here to the end and getting home at 10:30. And you know, it was just one hour at a time. And now I'm kind of at the taking it one day at a time. I was like, all right, get through the workday to today and record the podcast, and I'm good. You know. And then it'll the be aftercast. taking it, Yeah. Well yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then it'll be taking it like one week at a time. And then one month at a time, you know. You you may have a solid relationship or be single. And knowing these strategies can help you be there for your friends who are going through a breakup. So, guys, in the aftercast, we're going to discuss learning t- from this experience. Uh, some unhealthy coping strategies that people use as well as when you know like how to know when it's time to get back out there into the dating game. That's pretty much all we've got before we wrap it up. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the trade?
1: Well, I kind of want to touch on something that is hard to explain until you've been through it and that is the notion that a lot of times you're your tendency to lock on to a desired future state hurts you more than things just going wrong. So, you know, for instance, in a, in a relationship, you know, thinking, Hey, you know, we're, you know, one of these days we're going to get married, all this stuff's going to happen. Here's what I'd like to do. And when you like really focus on that and then the relationship ends, that hurts a lot more than not having created those expectations. And this, you know, while this is something that happens to people in dating, it happens everywhere and you know, it'll happen in a new job. It'll happen friendships. It'll happen when you're like, Oh, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to go and do side work and, you know, be my own boss and all this stuff. And you feel like, okay, yeah, I'll work four hours a week and I won't have to do much. And then you get out there and you really do it. And you're working like 60 hours a week and you're miserable. You know, the, you're not miserable because of the 60 hours a week, you're miserable because you thought you were going to do four. And so I just want to kind of reinforce the point that a lot of times we're our own worst enemies. We will build up a future that we're not going to live in and we'll get crushed by it when it falls. That's pretty much all I got. by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons.
0: For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons.
1: You can also follow us on Twitter at complete pod. Like our page on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.